Welcome to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create your dream business so you can live the dream lifestyle that you want and deserve. Yes, success is not only possible, you deserve success. And now, welcome the dream business coach, Jim Palmer. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are always great things in any business. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. As always, I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. This week, we have a special guest, web marketing virtuoso Stefan Spencer. Let me briefly introduce Stefan, and we'll bring him right on. Stefan Spencer is a respected SEO expert. He's an author, a professional speaker, and founder of the SEO agency Net Concepts. Net Concepts, excuse me, provide which they provide practical, information-rich, immediately applicable seminars, workshops, and webcasts on issues that profoundly impact the success of their online presence. He is a seasoned presenter at many conferences around the globe, and uh, I'm excited to pick his brain. I always love having smart people on the call. How are you doing, Stefan? Hey, Jim. Good to have you. Uh, good to be here. <laughs> good. So um, let me just first – so a lot of – most of the people that listen to this are, are entrepreneurs, and they're always interested in the in the journeys that we all take into uh, – becoming self-employed. What what did your journey look like? When where did you work before and when did you start out on your own? Well, I was uh, studying for a PhD in biochemistry and I decided the internet would be a hot place to be and it was at the second international worldwide web conference in 1994. I met some of the guys from Netscape. I remember meeting Rob McCool who was the creator of uh, what ended up being the uh, the uh, Netscape server and then Apache after that. So he's the inventor of Apache, which most web servers on the Internet are running on. And I was starstruck. I'm like, wow, this Internet thing, I need to be uh, hopping on the bandwagon. And so a few months later, I had uh, dropped out of my Ph.D. I did the extra bit of work to get a master's, which, of course, I I don't have any use for that. Uh, I have a master's in biochemistry. I haven't used that at all. But, um, yeah, it was it, it was fun to just kind of jump in uh, yeah, headfirst and, and figure out how to run a business without ever having had any marketing classes, any business experience, any business training, nothing. I just kind of winged it. And I didn't have any funding either. Um, funny story here. I, I figured out that if I was just going to be really tenacious and, and cheeky about it, I could bypass a lot of the hard yards that people go through, like you could get funding or whatever. I talked my way into a $2,000 a person uh, a conference called How to Market on the Internet. This was 1995, and I was a broke college student who just dropped out. And um, so I, I got in as a volunteer. I was a mic runner, and then I, because I had all these answers, and I was so smart, and uh, I was 23 years old and pretty cheeky, I just start chiming in and helping the panel answer the questions because <laughs> I had the mic, and uh, I ended up getting a bunch of business cards that day, and uh, I, I got two major accounts from that who ended up between the two of them spending over a million dollars 
with me. So that was my funding. Of course, by the end of the day, I was uninvited to attend day two by the conference organizer. But you know. <laughs> You're shining up the panel there, I guess, right? I pretty much was, yeah. I, I think I, I, I ticked off some important people in the Internet industry there, uh, like a, a guy named GM O'Donnell who founded Moda Media. I kind of upstaged him as like the the mic runner. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I did it because uh, that launched my whole uh, uh, career and business, and I didn't have to get any funding. Well, Stefan, a million dollars is not a small amount, but I, even in the early 90s at 23, 24 years old, I mean, that's that's some serious cash. I guess from what may have appeared to be, you know, maybe you were like looking at the Internet with intrigue and it was kind of new and kind of like the wild, wild west. That that must have solidified your if, – if you had any apprehensions about leaving behind your biochemistry degree, that must have fixed that, right? Oh, of course, but at the time, I didn't realize it was going to add up to that amount of money. I just knew that uh, these were decent-sized companies that were you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue per year. Uh, there were two of them that uh, signed on with me, and they just wanted me to build their website or re redesign it. And uh, I'm like, sure. I had a little portfolio of sites that I had built for fun just on the side while I was a grad student. And uh, that and my tenacity and, and, and smarts <laughs> allowed me to win those two accounts that added up over the course of a couple of years, three, four years, to be you know, half a million dollars a piece. Wow. Yeah. You know, I've interviewed um, some other SEO folks over the years, and a question I've never actually asked, but since you got in so early into the uh, the whole Internet and just the, you know, back when it was in its infancy, I'm just curious, when did the term SEO even become known? I mean, how did you – I'm sure it wasn't like, uh, you know, search engine optimization wasn't something you did when you, they were so brand new. When, when did that term come about? Yeah, it was more in the latter part of the 90s. So I started my agency not as an SEO firm, but as a, a web agency, and that was in 1995 when I started. And um, maybe three years into it, I uh, started getting uh, really into SEO. So I'd say by 97, uh, SEO was a thing, but it was very crude at those in those days when you had search engines like InfoSeq and so forth. You just made some meta keywords and stuffed a bunch of keywords in that uh, hidden tag and you'd be golden. And it's just kind of ridiculous that looking back on those days to make separate pages for each search engine uh, tweaked to the different things that each search engine was looking for. And it's all duplicate content. So for, it was just, it was, it was really bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> ridiculous what we, what we did back in those days. But, uh, uh, pretty quickly, I realized that that was not that didn't make sense. That I needed to be thinking not just what works now, but works what works three, four years out. You know, kind of be forward thinking and future proofing uh, at the same time. Because early on, I got this idea that um, when Google was uh, was getting huge, and uh, that's where I was really focusing my energy. Uh, even in the early days when it wasn't clear that um, you know, Google was going to be all-powerful, I figured that there would be some sort of rap sheet that Google would keep on us. And if we tried to get away with stuff that didn't really look legit, 
and maybe it worked for a while, but then later on they could most certainly reverse engineer uh, what we were up to and uh, kind of put a black mark on our records for it. So even if it was discovered a few years later, and a great example of that, nothing to do with SEO, but it's, it is an Internet thing, is um, on Wikipedia, people would edit their own articles, the articles of the company they worked for and so forth, and that's against the conflict of interest guidelines uh, in Wikipedia. And, and they thought, oh, I'm being clever, I'm, I'm logging in uh, anonymously, but your IP address gets associated with that edit on Wikipedia. And then some, uh, I think it was a grad student actually in Greece, wrote a tool called Wikiscanner that connected the dots and said, oh, these are the anonymous edits, these are the IP addresses Uh-oh. of the anonymous edits, and these are the owners of those IP blocks. And, oh, look at that, this... Uh, IP block is owned by XYZ Corporation and on such and such date and time that XYZ Corporation article page was edited by an IP address owned by that. And so then there are all these bloggers that just went on a witch hunt looking for people who were uh, editing their own articles. And, and this was potentially years after they thought they got away with murder going in and editing their own articles on Wikipedia. So the same idea applies to SEO. Like you think you're getting away with murder doing all this sketchy stuff that uh, works today. Someday down the line, they're going to be able to kind of churn through all that big data, figure out what you were up to, even though you got away with it at the time, and put a black mark on your record. Wow. Um you know, I was doing a, a little research for the call. I know you got something called Seven Secrets to Higher Google Rankings. Can you share some some of those with us? <laughs> sure. Well, it's more like major steps to get uh, to the top of Google. Like, for example, you need to get all your pages indexed, meaning getting into the big database. And a great way to frame this, if I could kind of paint a visual in your listeners' minds of a funnel, and at the top of the funnel, you have pages getting crawled by Googlebot. Googlebot's their, um, their spider, their, their robot that traverses the web, exploring all the web pages, following all the links. So getting crawled is a necessary prerequisite to the next stage in the funnel, which is getting indexed, meaning that you end up in Google's big database. Uh, so just because you get crawled, like, I don't know, let's say you have a 10,000-page website, maybe 80% of those pages get crawled by Google. Well, just because 80% got crawled doesn't mean that 80% are going to get indexed and get into the database. A, a chunk of those pages may not get in, into the database at all because they look like low-value pages or they look like duplicates or what have you. So just because you got crawled doesn't mean you got indexed. And, of course, not everything you have gets crawled, so you need to make sure you get fully crawled all 10,000 pages and then as many of those pages as possible get indexed so that's the next stage in the funnel and then deeper down into the funnel so as it gets narrower and narrower you've got to get these pages to rank because just just because it's in the big database the index doesn't mean that it's going to show up on page 1 or you know somewhere where people are going to see it People tend not to go to page two. Uh, it's like 95% of the time people don't go on to page two in the search results. So getting ranked, you have to get ranked. And then 
just because you're ranked doesn't mean that you are actually getting clicks. Right? So people might see you in the search results. It's some horrible listing that people just are turned off by. Like I remember years and years ago, uh, Starbucks had a, an issue with the configuration of their website, so it required cookies in order to use their site. And uh, Googlebot doesn't have cookies enabled, so what the, the page that would be served up by Starbucks.com as the Starbucks homepage uh, had this error message on it, cookies required. <laughs> that was the title of that page, and that's what showed up in the search results in Google when people uh, Googled coffee and Starbucks and things like that. It's just a really bad look. So you wouldn't want to have uh, a, a repulsive type of listing like that that would scare people away. Um, and then just because you got uh, clicks doesn't mean you're going to get conversions, meaning you're not necessarily going to get sales. If it's an e-commerce site, you're not going to get email signups. If it's uh, just an informational site where you have an email list uh, as the primary action for people to take, right? See, you, you got to assume that you're going to have some uh, bleeding at every stage in the funnel. So you got to optimize each step. So that's a really good framework for people to think about. They need to make sure they get. Uh, adequately crawled and then indexed and then they're ranking and then they're getting uh, the clicks so they're optimizing the appearance of their search listings and then they have a, a compelling website that drives people to a primary next action. It's not like a whole bunch of uh, shiny objects and there's no real focus for people to go take that one next step. So that's a lot I know in a, a very short <laughs> period of time but it's easier if you had a visual to see that, um, but hey, this is audio, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you mean uh, how to check your Google Pulse? Is that something the average entrepreneur can do or, or not? Well, there are some tools that will help uh, with that, and it's just a matter of knowing what those tools are. So, yeah, if you're just an entrepreneur and you're trying to figure out if uh, you're doing the right things and things are working well with your SEO. I mean, of course, you're going to have some sort of analytics in place. I mean, if you don't have Google Analytics, that's like a, <laughs> it's like trying to drive a car without uh, uh, um, ha having any visibility of what's in front of you. Like, you, I don't know, it's the middle of winter and you didn't bother to scrape off the ice. I mean, that would be really scary. So have analytics going, like Google Analytics is free. Um, have Google Search Console set up, which is, again, free. And uh, a lot of folks don't take that step. They have analytics, but they don't have Google Search Console, which formerly was called Google Webmaster Tools. And that gives you a bunch of different additional insights into, like, for example, what keywords are uh, bringing traffic into your site what keywords are bringing people to see your listing but they don't necessarily click, and um, uh, just different kinds of crawl reports and things that show the health of your site. So that's two real no-brainers. But then there are these third-party tools that will help with just diagnosing different issues, like, for example, maybe you have a really slow-loading website, and that's not good for SEO, that's not good for conversion, People hate having to sit for a page to load. So use a free uh, uh, page speed tool uh, such as uh, from Pingdom, there's this thing called Full Page Test. 
free tool. You just put in your URL. It will tell you how long it takes for your home page to load. Uh, also, there's a free Google tool called Google PageSpeed Insights that will give you some insight into what's uh, uh, going right and wrong with your your page speed and gives recommendations on things to do. So there's a handful of different tools that I would recommend people use. Some are paid tools, some are free. Um, you want to check to see if, if you have authority in the eyes of Google. If people aren't linking to your site, then you're done. I mean, it's just like you are DOA, dead on arrival. You're not going to be able to rank no matter how much fantastic content you have, how well written it is, how well optimized everything is, the architecture, and uh, everything could be just spot on on the website and nobody's linking to your site. It's like uh, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody heard it, did it fall? Well, in the case of SEO, no. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It didn't, it, it didn't um, amount to anything because nobody's linking to your site. Thus, Google looks at you as... Um, uh, essentially a leper, right? You're, you're just not you're untouchable. So get some links, and a way to diagnose well, what's going on with your authority is to use a tool like Majestic.com, or LinkResearchTools.com, or OpenSiteExplorer.org, um, and, and just get a sense for your authority score. And each of these tools has different um, metrics that approximate Google's page rank metric of uh, that's an internal secret metric that they don't share of, of how authoritative, trustworthy, and important your site is. And each page, each page has separate page rank scores. So uh, use one of those tools. You don't even have to have a paid account just to get the metric from the tool, like opensiteexplorer.org. You just put in your URL, and it tells you that your page authority on your homepage is, let's say, uh, I don't know, 10 out of 100. That's horrible, absolutely atrocious, and uh, you're not going to rank. You're just not, and, and unless it's some esoteric term that nobody searches for except for you. Like kitchen electrics. I had a, a client uh, years ago, Kohl's department stores, that they were just obsessed with ranking for that term because that's the industry term for small appliances like uh, food processors and blenders and stuff. And they were on page one for Kitchen Electrics. whoop de doo You know, as their CEO, essentially, the only one searching for that term. <laughs> nobody searches so. that term, right? Oh. No, I mean, nobody's ever used that in a sentence that I know of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so do you – are you kind of um, – is your bailiwick, like, the back end, like, all the stuff you're describing? Because I wanted to ask you about, like, opt-ins and things like that. Or do you get involved in your agency on the on – the, I guess that would be called the front end, too, or – yeah, so I I do uh, all of that. My I'm known as a SEO expert. I also have a great deal of expertise in conversion and in uh, marketing funnels and um, e-commerce uh, usability, a number of different areas. But what I'm known internationally for is my SEO because I mean I kind of wrote the book on the topic. Well, I co-wrote it. It's called The Art of SEO. It's and it's third edition to 1,000 pages uh, published by wow. O'Reilly. So that that's a beast of a book, and if you want a full training on SEO, that's the book to read. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's daunting. I, I, it's a great doorstop, certainly. But 
Let me ask yeah. you this then, um, just get your opinion. I mean, I remember in, in the day, and it's actually not that long ago, but three or four years ago, you could put up an opt-in and, and give a special report or two or three special reports, fancy pictures, make them actually look like books, they're PDF downloads. That doesn't seem to be cutting it anymore. I don't think people, I think people are so resistant to putting in their, their name and email just to get a special report. Do you have any knowledge about what's trending a little better, what's maybe more exciting in, in exchange for an email? Yeah, so what works better is, I mean, ultimately you need their email or you need them to be on a retargeting list, But um, and we can talk about retargeting in a, in a moment, but the idea is if we can get people to get enticed by some valuable piece of content that they don't have to opt in for as the first point of entry, you're going to have a lot more success with that because people are jaded and they're sick of, you know, basically a bait-and-switch sort of thing. Oh, this thing sounds really awesome. They're scrolling through their uh, Facebook news feed, and they click on it, and it's just a squeeze page. It's just an, an opt-in, and they have to give their email address in order to get any useful information out of that page. Very frustrating. So if you can put some valuable content uh, in front of the user first, and then you offer something even more valuable after that, to take uh, kind of go to the next stage in in the marketing funnel or sales funnel, that works better. So, like for example, let's say you're doing Facebook advertising, you advertise a uh, some sort of um, I don't know really valuable guide or how-to or something that's just completely free and in the clear. It's just like a really extensive blog post. They don't have to download a PDF. They just read the post and what you're doing behind the scenes is you are dropping a retargeting pixel. So now you can uh, retarget them, meaning that you can put another ad just to those people who have been to your website and say that, all right, uh, they've been to my website. They've already gotten some value, hopefully, through this ad that um, provided a great how-to, completely free and in the clear as a blog post. Now let's give them something that requires an opt-in uh, so we're going to promote some sort of uh, checklist, worksheet, um, buyer's guide, something that's a, a downloadable PDF and they have to opt in in order to get that. You'll have much better uptake because this is their their second interaction, second or, or, or third or whatever interaction with you and, and not just their first um, uh, impression. The first impression should not be a take but a give right so what are you going to do to give immediately and and that's what people just don't get they're like i i need to get something from my visitor i need to get that email address i need to be able to continue the conversation yes and you need to give before you can get i mean it's just uh, that's just good karma love that love that Hey, um, Stefan, shared a ton of good information. I'm looking forward to diving through a thousand-page book at some point. That's not, man. That, how long did it take you to write that? Uh, years. Yeah, it's, <laughs> we started in 2008. <laughs> uh, first edition came out in 2009. Uh, updated it in 2012, and then again just last year in, in August, uh, the latest edition came out. And each time is almost a fundamental rewrite. Uh, each time new chapters get added and uh, a bunch of new tools, a bunch of tools go away. It's just it's a constantly moving target. Um, yeah, and if you don't want to be overwhelmed to that degree, 
if you go to my website, stephanspencer.com, I have a bunch of uh, PDFs, uh, kind of guides and, and worksheets and so forth. I have a, a, a bunch of SEO myths uh, that uh, just it um, astounds me that there's so much mythology still on SEO. People just say something with uh, so much authority and emphasis that people believe it and uh, it's just crazy, the stuff that's out there still. So uh, that's, that's a awesome. great download. Um, there's also uh, a SEO hiring blueprint if you're looking to hire an SEO agency or a person, an either employee or a contractor. It's really valuable, and there's a, a BS detector that uh, you should grab too which some, with some trick questions to slip into the interview process. Um, of course, or your listeners can just hire me and, and, and know they'll they'll work with the experts. So, um, but stephanspencer.com, S-T-E-P-H-A-N, um, spencer.com. So. Awesome. Stefan, thanks so much, man. It's been a, it's been a, a real uh, enlightening experience. I mean, there's so much to SEO, and gosh, it just changes all the time. But I, I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been great. My pleasure. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with Stefan Spencer. Remember, Stick Like Glue Radio, it's the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. Watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio this time next week. Until then, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever, ever, ever give up. Hey, go out there and do something nice for somebody today. Take care, everybody. For more information and free resources on how to create your dream business, connect with Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, at www.getjimpalmer.com. And be sure to check out Dream Business Coach TV, powerful two-minute videos filled with Jim's unique smart marketing and business building advice. See them all at www.dreambizcoach.tv. That's www.dreambizcoach.tv. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue Radio. And remember, success is not only possible, you deserve success.